25 years ago, this day had great excitement because it meant it was only a week and a half left till Christmas. When I was eight years old, as those of you who are younger, you, you, longed for, you longed for Christmas. I longed for Christmas, not so much because of what Christmas is, but because of what happened at Christmas, namely, namely that you get to open up presents. And that was, that was great. It gave me great excitement at that time. The older I got, the more I realized that, that the presents did not fulfill me as much as they used to. Now, today, you know, when somebody gives uh, me a gift, yes, you know, I'm grateful for the gift and so forth, but it's not the same as when I was eight years old. I think you all can relate to that, that anticipation, and then when you open the gift, the, the excitement, the joy that it brought you, and then, you know, for, for the weeks following, you're filled with that, that joy of playing with the gifts or whatever it might be. This longing for more, we all long for more. This time of the year, even into January, is a very difficult time for, for a number of people, whether it be getting sick with the flu, getting sick with a cold, whether it be depression, you know, the long nights, the short daylight hours, uh, the difficulties even at this time, you know, of preparing for Christmas, maybe the anxiety of uh, in the family drama surrounding, you know, when families get together. A variety of things can take place that can really cause us to be depressed during this time. We long for more. We long for more. The air is dry, our hands crack. We got always. Yet when you look at, you know, the things we complain about today, you know, the cold weather, wish it was warmer. When all of those things are the way we want them to be, we still find ourselves complaining. So it's summertime. There are long daylight hours. It's summertime. There is moisture in the air. Our hands aren't cracking. It's summertime. We have nice weather. And then we still complain. You know, something else isn't right. Something else has gone wrong. We want more. We want more. In our, in our first reading today, it speaks, this, this is from, this is 700 years before Jesus was born. It's from the prophet Isaiah. There was a lot going on within the land of Israel, the chosen people, our forefathers. What was, what was taking place, particularly, is a number of the tribes that had already been brought into slavery, sent off to foreign lands. The people of Judah still had their own land. But I, Isaiah comes and he speaks to them. He says, strengthen the hands that are feeble. Make firm the knees that are weak. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, Be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense. He comes to save you. Then he speaks about this coming of the Lord. He says, They will meet with joy and gladness. Sorrow and mourning will flee. Right now, there's anxieties that each one of us has in our hearts. Maybe it's something that we did that we wish we not, would not have done. You know, and we regret it. We want to do it because we thought it would bring us happiness. And then the guilt, the shame that followed. And we, we look back and we're like, I wish I would not have done what I did. Or just the regular, you know, struggles of life. We long for Jesus' coming. We long for that perfect world. In the Gospel reading, this is 
you know, during Jesus' ministry. We're very familiar with Jesus' baptism. In fact, we have, you know, the, the stained glass window right over here where Jesus comes out of the water. The Holy Spirit descends upon him. John the Baptist, the one who baptized him, was a relative of Jesus. John, when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. He, remember, he was the one that jumped up and down in Elizabeth's womb as she was pregnant with him. He was only six months old. So he's, he's recognized there's something particular about Jesus, something very particular. And he recognizes in Jesus, or so he thinks, that this is the Messiah. This is the one who's going to come, and he's going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel, the Davidic kingship. And then John, who's doing what he's supposed to be doing, he's, you know, he's preaching the importance of repentance, He's telling people, you know, repent of your sins. He's pointing out the things that people are doing wrong that are hurting them. And he points them out so that they might repent, change from their ways, and experience then the joy that comes from the gospel, the joy that comes from relationship with God. But what ended up happening is in pointing out these things, he pointed out to Herod, the ruler there of the Jewish people, he pointed out to him that he was committing adultery. He was living with his brother's brother Philip's wife, Herodias. Herodias had an affair with her brother-in-law, with Herod, and they began to live together. John the Baptist points out, you're committing adultery. You should not be living with your brother's wife. What ends up happening then is John gets put in prison. That's where he's at. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? John the Baptist was thinking, life's going to be perfect when the Messiah comes. Life's going to be great. And here I am in prison. Like, is this really the guy that's to come? So he sends some of his disciples, is, is, are you the one? And Jesus responds, with the promise that Isaiah had in our first reading. Jesus says, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. Meaning, blessed is the one who's not offended of what, in what Jesus is doing and bringing truth to the world. Salvation has begun to happen. And yet we look at our own lives, and what do we see? We see struggle. We see that in our lives, we care so much about material stuff, things around us, that we, we often fail to look at what's heavenly. There's disorders within our hearts, and we say yes to these disorders, which then causes pain, which causes struggle. But even if we have been doing what is right, just the, the grind of, of, of life, the cold weather, the cracked hands, the flat tires, the depression, the struggles that we face. We want more. We want more. Jesus promises that it's going to come. There were three gifts that I usually received for Christmas. There was a gift from Dad and Mom. There was a gift from one of my siblings. And then there was a gift from an aunt and uncle that usually gave all of us kids gifts. 
the gift from the sibling, how we, how we did it was about six months, usually it's around summertime, we would pick names out of a hat. You know, the old ten names would be in there, or nine names, you know, depending upon, you know, the little ones usually weren't involved. But there were a few of us, we'd pick a name. We weren't supposed to tell whose name we got. But being in a, you know, in a close family, usually people found out. Then after we, after the names were picked, we would write on a sheet of paper, maybe about ten things, the things that we wanted. Could be a variety of things. And then that sheet of paper would be handed to the person who picked our name, usually through mom or through dad or through another sibling who happened to know. Once we found out who had picked our name and as Christmas, was, as a Christmas approached, we knew that the person had bought the gift already or the two things from the, the list. And we would try to probe that person what we got. You know, what, what did you get for me? What did you get for me? Sometimes we would figure it out. But I can remember, even though we figured out what gift we wanted, that anticipation of opening that gift on Christmas Day was exciting. We knew it was there. We didn't see the gift. It was there. But the excitement that arose, the joy that it brought even before we had it. As, as this Advent season is going, as Christmas is approaching, you know, I've been thinking a lot about these memories you know, from childhood and that, that joy that, that Christmas brought and even that anticipation for Christmas how it's a little glimpse of our longing for heaven. That God created us for heaven. He didn't create us for hell. He didn't create us for hell at all. He created us for heaven. And he wants to give us the greatest gift of all, which is himself. That's why he became one of us. He wants to give us that gift. But because Jesus couldn't keep secrets... He decided to give us the gift of himself even before we see him face to face in heaven. Jesus decided to give to us the great sacrament of Holy Communion. Wrapped up, it looks like bread, but it's our God who created us. The one who wants to bring joy to our hearts. that we can have that anticipation for heaven already now. At the end of the creed, what do we say? You know, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. We long for that. We long for that perfect world. And it's going to come. It's going to come if we remain faithful to Jesus, if we hang on to that which is eternal more than to that which passes away. So this Mass, let's pray for the grace Let's pray for the grace to be filled with joy at the presence of Christ, even though we don't see him yet, because he's the one that's going to fix us up. Let's pray for that grace.